Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Fitter, Healthier Dad podcast, where you can learn how to improve your diet, lose fat, and get fitter in a sustainable and fun way without spending hours in the gym. Here is your host, Darren Kirby. This is episode 11 of the Fitter, Healthier Dad podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about mindset and the importance of having the right mindset to ensure you achieve the results you're looking for with your fitness and your health. Joining me on today's podcast is Dave Cottrell from Mindset by Dave. Hi, Dave. Thanks for coming on to the show. How are you? I'm really good. Thanks. How are you? Yeah, very well. Thank you. So... For the benefits of our listeners, Dave, who maybe haven't come across you before, can we get a, an introduction into into Dave and Mindset by Dave? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the super quick version of my background is that I basically grew up suffering from both um, type 2 bipolar disorder um, and eating disorder and and that led to um, that led to me becoming obese as a teenager. Uh, I was bullied as as a teenager, and that was what led to the eating disorder. And I didn't deal with any of looking after any of my health, um, physically or mentally, until um, way later than that. It was way into my twenties. By the time I actually did it, I got to the point of being twenty two stone, no, twenty three stone six. Um, I'm six two, so I could sort of just about pull that off. Um, but I was the type of person that I'd walk around wearing t shirts that says things like "fat people are harder to kidnap." So <laughs> I I had that suit of armor as you know that that humor sense of humor as a suit of armor, that defense mechanism. And um, it was like if I if I take the piss out of myself, well, doesn't matter. No one else can, no one else um, you know can hurt me with it. And it wasn't until I um, I kind of I, I was I want to say failed, but I'll go as far as say ruined. I ruined my first marriage down to full on zero self esteem. And no matter how much my like no matter how much my first wife loved me, I couldn't see it. Um, but I ruined I ruined my first marriage from that, and then when I was but I'm the type of person that always puts everybody else first, and that was kind of a crunch point for me. Was I kind of got to 25, never rebelled against anything, never done anything wrong in my life. <laughs> you know, it's like um, you know, a bit of drinking as a kid, but never smoked, never done drugs, none of that stuff. Yeah. And um, and then I went into this full on rebellion at that point. I kind of got fed up of looking after everybody else, and. Um, and decided to look after myself for a little while. Now, I'm glad to say that part of it didn't last forever. Um, I realized that I was kind of sacrificing an intrinsic part of my own personality. But what I did in that period is I lost the vast majority of the weight. I started looking after my food, looking after my exercise. And I found that my mental health improved as a sort of byproduct of that. And it wasn't until I'd grown up a little bit, I was a little bit, quite a bit older, so com- coming into my 30s, and me and my wife now, and we decided we wanted to have a child of our own. And I wanted to change career. For, I was working in the music industry at the time, and I loved it, but it wasn't making me enough money to have another child. So I wanted to move into another career. Coaching, it's, uh, it's not as lucrative as you want it to be, especially not in the, especially not in the first couple of years. Right. But that was the change I made. Ironically, me and my wife still haven't had that child yet. But, <laughs> right, okay. But, and that was, that was six years ago we had this conversation. But... Um, it was still, it was quite possibly the best thing that ever happened to me because I re, I reconnected with that side of wanting to help other people. 
Right. And um, I started coaching other people as a personal trainer, trying to help them to make similar journeys to what I did. Yeah. And I found that I had a reason. That was my why. I had a reason to get up in the morning. I had a reason to go to turn up because before that, my depression had sort of hit an all-time low. I was spending days, weeks, months crying on the couch, like in a state of absolute woe. Yeah. And becoming a personal trainer I went to have quite I, I think about I had about 18 months of just being level which had never happened in my entire life right uh, and since then I kind of got more and more into it and decided I wanted to be a nutritionist I decided and then off the back of doing the nutrition I started learning mindset with learning mindset because I've because of my own history I've got I've been through therapy and counseling and CBT and NLP and all of this stuff right and I'm a type of person that just pays attention when he's going through things yeah so so much of what I was being taught in this module it was like it was ideas that I, I'd already had and things that I already knew about and I define it as the moment that it changed the my brain from being a shotgun with all these pellets scattered about everywhere to being a spider's web with all these points but that were all connected yeah. And I decided to go and just have a go at the mindset coaching thing, which for someone with low self-esteem was a bit of a weird choice. But I thought, you know right. what? This feels yeah. right. I'm going to go and do this. I'm going to do a free seminar at my gym. And I did it. I had 50 people down there, and I was hooked off the one seminar. Right. Because I realized at that point that training and nutrition are fantastic, and I will never take any credit away from them. But the changes you can get with train, training and nutrition requires – such a long-term investment sometimes before you even see any results yeah. with mindset i'm not saying it's a quick fix i'm not saying that there aren't things that you have to work at that definitely are but you i can speak to someone and have, have their mindset in a completely different space within an hour which yeah. to me i wanted to help more people it's like so i wanted the bigger effect i wanted that thing which is um which allows me to kind of get further with a person. I thought if I do a seminar on nutrition, you know, who knows what things that people might keep on, on with, what they might keep up with. Whereas if I do a seminar on mindset and each person in that room takes away even one idea of how to maybe think differently, how to visualize things differently, how to talk to themselves differently, how to talk to others differently, that's going to radically change their life. And one of my coaches at the time used to say he used to love astronomy or astrology. The one that's actually about the stars and not about your star sign. <laughs> astronomy. Yeah. Astronomy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he, used, he had a telescope set up in his house and he said the best thing about what he loves about the telescope is you nudge it by a millimeter at this end and you're looking at a different galaxy at the other end. Right. And that's, that's what I wanted to do for people. Uh, that's what I say wanted to do for people. That's what I still want to do for people. Yeah. So that's what I do now. I work primarily. I still do personal training about 20 of the time okay but we're primarily doing mindset coaching yeah i mean that's fantastic and one of the things that i kind of just want to expand out of all of that is is the fact that you know once you do start to um focus on your fitness and your nutrition and you start to feel better it's amazing that the level of clarity you start to get and then you have this hunger to to get more clarity and for me personally that's when the whole mindset stuff kicked in and I realized that I could actually change my mindset and I could actually change this program that I already had in me to, to make yeah. further improvements. And, and for me, it's become almost like a little bit of an obsession because I can make these changes, I can see these improvements and I can just keep going, going, going. And it's kind of how far do you want to go with it? Um, and mm. for some people that are listening to this, they may not have even considered 
mindset. I definitely didn't for like 15 years that I was going to the gym because I wasn't getting those results. But they may not have even considered that they actually do need to work on their mindset. I think more and more in the media now, it's, you know, mental health and everything else is being talked about more freely. I think now is a fantastic time to actually take stock and realize that, you know, it is mindset you need to work on as well as your diet and as well as your kind of muscles and training all the rest of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it'd be far too self-serving for me to sit here and say that mindset's the most important part about it. But even people within the fitness industry, they actually, you know, that mindset is key is one of the most overused phrases at the moment. What I will say, I'm not going to sit here and say it's the most important thing, but what I will say is it's it gives you a bigger investment that leads into the other things. So if you learn the mindset of discipline or you learn the mindset of habit change, yeah. then that's, that, that becomes a route that you can then take into food or you can take into exercise that you can take into a, like a load of different areas and I think you know exercise and nutrition they all have those little knock-on effects as well but in my opinion mindset has the most and that's like where I like to go with it is like the deeper down I can get with a person yeah. we can look at behaviors which are on the surface we can look to well actions sorry are on the surface behaviors are below that and then and then you've got kind of identity and beliefs and purpose and things like that that are even deeper. And if we start with those identities, those those beliefs, then you don't just change a person's ability to exercise. You change their ability, ability to parent. You change their ability to be a husband or yeah. their, their, their ability at work. You can change absolutely everything. I mean, the biggest, the biggest I would say, issue that I've faced with, with, if, with my work is that people – from one reason or another, not feeling that they're good enough. Yeah. If you change that for somebody, we have this tendency to like basically with those labels, make them self-fulfilling prophecies. So if you on an unconscious level think that you're not good enough, you'll it'll go one of two ways. You'll either not bother even trying because what's the point? It's not going to be good enough anyway. Or work yourself to the ground to try and impress someone else or, you know, try and get some validation that's never going to come because no matter how good the thing is, it's never good enough. So a perfectionist or a procrastinator, both different sides of the same coin. If you change that route, the things that you change on top of that, it's like if I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough to diet. I'm not good enough to succeed in the gym. I'm not good enough to succeed in work. They're all implied in that. So instead of just saying, right, well, here's the diet, here's how to change the diet, I'd be like, well, let's look at the kind of core belief system. Let's look at the core values that you have and see if we can change something there. Because if we do, then yeah, it'll help the problem that the person's come to me for help with, but it'll help six or seven other things as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think... We, we kind of naturally gravitate towards um, the, the, the kind of direct solution to our problem. So, for example, if we're not fit, we want to, go, we want to get fitter, so we want, to, we want to go to the gym. It's, looking in, it's, it's having that awareness, I think, to look inside or to look outside, actually, uh, and to, to, to look at what other elements could be influencing or impacting you know, your fitness and nutrition and, and why perhaps you're not making the, the progress that you want to make. So, but I think with, with all of the, the mindset coaching and stuff, it's, 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 it's kind of having the awareness that, that that's there in the first place, if that makes sense. Yeah. Not many people know about it and it sounds a bit crazy. And I think there is a, a slight stigma around it, whereas, you know, it kind of, is in line with counseling and stuff like that whereas if you have to go and talk to somebody about your thoughts or your mindset 
you might be a bit crazy. Would you say that that's, that's valid or? I, I would say, well, I'd say it's valid that people think that. I would say that the actual, that, that you know, actually there's no truth in the fact that you are crazy yeah. on that side of things because um, to put it into, you know, me and you talked briefly before we started recording about the fact that I, 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 I could go more specific rather than just calling it mindset coaching. Like let's say if I called it eating disorder coaching, then it would be, in theory, easier to market. People would understand what it is a bit more. Yeah. But I, well, I decided to go down that specific route with one of my seminars earlier this year, and I created a two-hour seminar just on stress called Me Again. Because the biggest thing that most people that experience stress say, I just don't feel like myself anymore. I just want to feel like me again. So I thought, right, stress. We're, we're not all willing to accept that we all have mental health yet, even though we do, yeah. every single one of yeah. us. Just the people that don't have don't think they have mental health, just happen to have good mental health. Same as someone who we all have physical health. So we're not all willing to accept that yet. No one's going to say we all have anxiety, we all have depression. But I think we can all accept that we all experience stress. And I honestly thought that this would be, as a result, the most attended seminar I've ever done, the one that the most people related to. And up until two weeks before, I had practically no one coming to it. I had like three people coming to it, which is, you know, the lowest attendance I ever had. Managed to get it up by the day because I kind of did a little bit more pushing. And I actually put a post out asking people to send me anonymous messages to say why they think that it's not like that particular one's not been popular because it, it completely bemused me at the time. But I got reply after reply coming through saying, well, it's admitting that I've got stress if I turn up to that. It's a, and, if, and also, it's I'm going to be in the room with a load of other people that are stressed. And if I am stressed, I don't want to be around a load of other stressed people. I ran the same seminar online. It went, it went you know, with a... Um, you know, the ability to kind of come in anonymously and it went so much better. But people aren't, so even with the stress side of things, people weren't even willing to sit in a room that might suggest that they have stress. When I did it more sort of broad mindset, so it was like mindset coaching, I did one that was on um, visualizations, language, and a few other things. And I did another one that was called Only This Moment, which was all about how to bring mindfulness into many different practices like we talked about before you know bringing it into listening to music eating food having sex whatever it may be those ones which were a little bit more generic across like a little bit more broad in terms of their topic they did extremely well but this one that was specific on stress didn't um and you know all the feedback pointed towards people saying we don't want to say that it's like why like yes mental health awareness is doing fantastic compared to where it's been and compared to where it was sort of six months ago 12 months ago it's doing fantastic compared to physical health in terms of it being shared on the internet no compared to kind of Cat memes, no. It's like it's because the thing is, if you watch, you know, you can share the crap out of a cat meme that you can look at for five seconds and go, "Oh, that's funny." But if you watch a mental health video and it's a minute long, you need to watch the whole thing just in case there's something in there that you don't want to be associated with. And sharing that video is not just it's. We need to get this into people's mind that if they've got good mental health, they can share one of those videos and just be seen as a supporter of mental health awareness. Doesn't it's not about it's not about getting everyone everybody to stand up and talk about it. You know, it's not about getting everybody to admit their own problems. I mean, I will quite readily admit mine because I believe that the best way to 
resolve the stigma is to talk as if there is no stigma. So I, you know, introduce myself quite happily to tell you that I'm bipolar. It's, I don't have a problem with that. I don't think anyone in this world thinks that I'm weak because of it. And if anybody does, no, well, I don't really care. It's like, because it's, it's just part of me. It's as much a part of me as being a Liverpool fan or being a dad. It's like, you know, it's not something I'm embarrassed by. Stigma is two ways. So I think the stigma is one of the big things that keeps people thinking, oh, I can't go and handle this, particularly men. Yes. Men are the worst yes. for this because because they what they will do is go, oh, either they will say, oh, my problem's not very big, I won't bother, right? It's like if a weed in your garden's not very big and you don't bother, it gets bigger. Yeah. And, you know, it's like at the same time thinking that, oh, I can't tell the rest of my friends, they'll think I'm weak. Yeah. Now, here's what happens with that situation is you hide, you put that, you put that fear to one side, you put that problem you're having to one side and it grows and grows and grows until the point at which you actually will have a breakdown. Now, a breakdown doesn't necessarily mean like, you know, um, what was his name, Michael Douglas and falling down or anything. It doesn't mean a full on psychotic break. It means your own version of that. For some of us, that could mean going to drugs. For some of us, it could mean turning to alcohol. For other people, it could mean kind of getting into a fugue state and walking down like the main road or whatever it may be. But the thing is, you're worried about people seeing you as weak. And the thing is, what we do is we push it to one side to the point at which when that weakness, and it's not weakness, but I'm labeling it as it just for the sake of the story, when that weakness does show itself, it shows itself huge. When that problem shows itself, it shows itself massive. And if you think about a person, like a, a man or a person in a particular position of authority, like a policeman or a teacher or even a coach, you know, for me, certain people within the industry think that I shouldn't share my bad days. I completely disagree because I think if I did, if I felt that, okay, I've got to have, I, I will always probably have bad days. Now, if I've got to hide them and pretend that I've got it all sorted because I'm a mindset coach and therefore I should have it sorted, then what's going to happen? Oh, right. Well, I can't reach out and ask for support. I can't do this because it'll discredit me. Yeah. Then what's going to happen? I'm going to get worse and worse and worse until the point at which I have a full, a full blown meltdown. Yeah. And then I end up getting, um, I like to quote Kung Fu Panda on this. It's like, you know, there's a line from, there's a line from the first one where they say, often you meet your destiny on the path you choose to avoid it. You want, you don't want to be a burden to people. Yeah actually talking early talking when when the problem's small and having it dealt with you will actually be a lot less of a burden to people than if you leave it unchecked and you end up going down a darker route. yeah yeah no i, I yeah I, I definitely agree to that and 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 the, the whole kind of macho element of it is is i think so profound because men are seen seem to be weak if they admit that they maybe need to talk to someone about you know their thoughts or if they're 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 feeling very stressed men are very quick and and, and find it very easy to tell people they're stressed but if someone then would say to them or well, let should, should we talk about it Do you want to talk about it it's like no 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 i, I can deal with it because i'm a man and i actually would say that that's a weakness if you're not able to talk about it um but you know that it's such a massive topic and one which I think is only, you know, really being publicised now and with the advent of social media, it's becoming more and more mainstream. But I completely agree. It's light years behind, you know, the physical fitness and all the rest of it. Um, yeah. And, yeah, there's so much more that needs to be done. But but coming back to, to kind of fitness and nutrition, um, 
if somebody listening to this has been going to the gym, they've been doing all the right things at the gym, but then they've been you know going home and and they've been eating kind of right, but then maybe their diet's not on point, or sometimes they deviate, or sometimes maybe they don't go to the gym, or they lose motivation. How, how do you think that we around you know talking about mindset and, and dealing with your mindset? we can improve um, that scenario. Okay. I mean, there's there's a lot of different ways, but the one I'll probably go with, first of all, I think that motivation doesn't exist. I think that there's no such thing as motivation. There's only momentum. Um, I talked before about how I want to help the people. I want to help people. I want to be the spark, not the fuel. I don't like the spark that gets someone going because if you look at motivation, you've got this massively shrinking middle class in it. You've got the motivated people that are out there saying, yeah, let's go smash Monday. And then that same thing will either get someone who's ready to smash Monday, ready to smash it even more, or it'll make someone who really can't be our smashing Monday feel, feel even more insignificant or even more incapable. And that's if you go and search hashtag motivation on Instagram, you are going to see, if you are already motivated, you'll become more motivated. If you're not, you'll become less motivated. A thing with motivation, or as I call it, momentum, momentum can go in both directions. It can go up and it can go down. And the vast majority of the time, particularly if we're not in an environment where we're being, co- where we're being coached by someone, the responsibility for that momentum is going to be in our own hands. The person that we need to kind of, kind of motivate us or give us that momentum is us. But it's like we've got two little voices at least living inside of our head. And you've got your inner coach and you've got your inner critic. Now, your inner critic has had your entire life's worth of practice at telling you why you can't do things and what's wrong with you and all the rest of that. It's And if you miss one gym session, oh, my God, is that bitch going to pipe up? It's like it's going to just be like, oh, well, you've missed one gym session. Oh, that's I guess you're a slacker now. I guess you're this. And it'll tell you this big, long story that'll send the momentum to the toilet. Problem is the inner coach when we go when we go and hit that first gym session or we hit our 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 diet for the day instead of it jumping up and saying i'm so proud of you i'm made up with you what it does is the the critic jumps in and goes oh well you only made one day today you only got your diet right for one day today or you only made it to the gym for one session so what you'll probably go back to being on the couch tomorrow or whatever it may be how we how we learn like first of all learning that if just because you have a thought doesn't mean it's true like our thoughts are opinions, not facts. I like to think of the two voices in my head as being two mates down the pub. You know, I can I can agree with bits and pieces of one of them, or both of them, or any, or, or I can agree with neither of them, and I can have my own entire opinion on it. We have the same ability with the voice in our head, and how we deal with both our successes and our failures will very much dictate the momentum. So let's say you have a success. I get people to celebrate every success, right? And not just the success as in the result you get off it, but celebrate the action. Because the way, I mean, is your, your, you know, your podcast seems, I think, more dads. Let's, let's actually, the analogy I like to use for this is when you remember, if you remember teaching your kids to walk, it's like when your kids turned around and walked, like they, they crawled over to the couch for the first time, crawled up, climbed up, and they turned around. They're about to take that monumental first step away from the couch. Now, you know, as their dad, that they're not going to make it across the whole floor. They're going to fall on their ass in a couple of steps. But you don't run up and give them a slide and tackle and say, don't bother doing that until you can get across the whole floor. Yeah. yeah. You 
big it up like crazy. You act as if that child has just won the London Marathon. It's like, oh my God, you're so amazing. You're so special. You're going to go on and do this. And that sends a signal to the child that the thing that it just did was good. If we'd have gone and done the slide and tackle it, it sends a signal to the child that it's bad. Now, we like to think of ourselves as grown up and that we've become beyond that point. Yeah. But we ha- but we haven't. We're still waiting for someone to tell us, well done. And going back to the self-esteem thing, we had our parents do that. If we were lucky, we had a decent couple of teachers, but most of us didn't have that. In fact, most of us had an inner critic as a teacher. Um, and if we're lucky, we go beyond that. And we, do a, we take up a sport or a martial art and we have a decent coach that tells us, well done. But it's called self-esteem. The person we need to hear it from is ourselves. Now, it seems weird because, again, we get brought up to, like, don't brag, don't yeah. boast, don't yeah. do this. But the thing is, we're automatically doing the opposite. Instead of not bragging and not boasting, we're not just being neutral. Yeah. We're being crappy to ourselves. Yeah. We're, we're doing the slide and tackle. We're telling ourselves, don't bother doing that again. So we have to start getting – we have to get this um, this into our heads that when we actually do something – we need to know immediately that that thing that that thing was the right thing to do and if we tell ourselves oh well it was only one session that is going to send the momentum through the floor yeah. if we tell ourselves you know what dave i'm so proud of you i'm so pr- I, I i literally do a full on like you know 80s reaching grab i wish you could see it it's like you know you're reaching up yeah. grab that little thing do a happy dance whatever it may be it seem it can seem a little bit conceited or even smug or whatever but the thing is It'll get you where you want to be. It'll get you going back to the gym the next day, or doing the um, or doing or having the nutrition the next day. So that's how we deal with the good action, and it's almost the flip side for the bad action. Again, yes, we tell our kids off. So I'm not going to say we never tell our kids off for doing something we don't want. But let's imagine you're a teacher or a coach where you're not allowed to tell them off as much as you do your own kids. Um, it's like let's say you know you're a, a, you know a karate instructor. And like you've got this particular student that is terrible with their kicks and they come up and throw one really good kick at you. You don't turn around to them and say, oh, you know, you only just done one good kick. That's, you know, you'll go back to your old style of kicking before. At the same time, if that, if you've got the, if you've got the kid or like that comes along and is usually so good on the day that they're bad, you don't go, Oh, I guess you can't do it anymore. I guess you can't, you know, looks like you're not going to be able to participate anymore or whatever it is. But that's how we speak to ourselves. Like if we, if someone, let's say goes over, overboard on the diet, turns to a binge and they'll go, Oh, well, you know, you know, I knew you were going to binge again. You always yeah, do yeah. this. This is part, yeah. you know, this is who you are. So I guess you best go back to binging. That person now might go six, seven days, weeks, whatever, depending on where they actually reset these things. They may go for that length of time, actually thinking, well, I've got to do that again. The, the guilt, it's there for a reason. It's there to stop us from doing it. But the thing is, you actually probably went to that binge because you were stressed. You went to that binge because you felt out of control and you thought that having that food would relieve that stress or having yeah. that food would give you a bit of control. Yeah. And now you feel more stressed or more out of control than ever. Yeah. I mean, we step, take a step back from that for a second and it's so obvious to see that, like, okay, if, if, eating, if I ate the food because of stress and then eating the food relieves the stress in the short term but gives me more in the long term, then it's only going to lead me back to it. I call it a boomerang, which is you throw it forward. You get something positive in the short term only to get something negative afterwards. So 
you do, you actually go in and have that, that, that extra food. You've got 99 problems, you have the food or the drink, whatever it may be, and you've got no problems for ooh, about 15 yeah. seconds. That's the, yeah. that's the positive, that's the stress relief, that's the boomerang going forward. Then that thing comes whipping back and hits you in the face. And it's like, and now you've got the negative long term. So when that happens, the quicker we can turn around to ourselves and say, okay, I didn't get I didn't get that on the way I wanted it. How can I do this again tomorrow? And um, that question, because I'm going to say that you'll probably recognise the two questions that normally come there. The first one is, why can't I do this? Hidden in that question is, I can't do this. And then we like to answer questions in specific ways. So as soon as you ask yourself, why can't I do this? Your brain will go, because I'm lazy, because I'm undedicated, because I'm a failure, because I'm this, that, and the other. But, the, but it goes worse than that. And the follow-up question to why can't I do this is often, what's yeah. wrong with me? Coming back to momentum, the second you ask yourself, what's wrong with me? Your momentum's in the toilet. Because your brain has got, you know, 20, 30, 40 years of practice of what's wrong with you. Everything bad you've ever thought about yourself, everything bad anyone else has ever said about you, those things are queuing up, waiting to actually talk to you and answer that question. And when they all turn up, your momentum's gone completely. So I get people to actually switch switch that question out for two different questions. The first one is, how could I do this? Not why can't, how could. How could, when you fail at something, how could I do this better? Because that then gives you an opportunity to to come up with ideas yourself and learn self-efficacy, which is important. But then the bigger question to that is, what can I do, underlining I, and then right now, underlining right now, to help with this? So if you've gone over on your diet, right, what can I do right now to help with this? It's like, and that answer might be, well, I'll tell you what, I'll prep my food for tomorrow morning. That answer might be, right, well, I'm going to actually, you know what, I'm going to throw out the, the the crisps or whatever it is in the house, which people go a little bit <gasps> about when I tell them to throw out food. But let's put it this way. If you keep on pouring petrol into your car when it's already full and that petrol goes over the floor, it's more of a waste than it would. And the same with food. If you eat something, if you're eating things that you don't want or need, it is more of a waste than throwing them out. So, you know, that could be your answer. And because the reason I asked the right now part is it brings into into play context. The person, if you ask, what can I do right now to lose weight today at seven o'clock in the morning? It might be, right, I'll go for a jog before work or I'll prep me food for work or whatever it may be. Whereas at seven o'clock at night, it might be a different answer. It might be, I'm going to get to bed early so I've got enough sleep. I'm going to do some reading. I'm going to come off my phone because I know. And the thing is, when you do that, you start to realize just how resourceful you are. Your mind comes up with these answers. You don't, I, I call what I do the world's, best, world's worst business model. I literally try and make my clients need me as little as humanly possible. Um, and it's by understanding this that you can come up with all of these answers yourself. And then, and then it's just a case of trusting that, committing to that, and actually allowing your self-esteem to grow when you realize, you know what, I did this. Having that moment of celebration, like I said before, it's like, okay, I, I made that choice, and it was the right choice, and I feel really good about making the choice because long-term, feeling good about the choices we make, feeling good about the outcomes as well, is going to be so much more satisfying than skipping that gym session one morning or or having yeah. that food. and and. and- I think some of this, though, is, you know, when you were talking about people turning to, to food when they're stressed and things like that, I would argue that 99% of the time that that's happening or when we're having these negative conversations with ourselves, whilst all of that's going on, the consciousness around that is probably not there. 
So they'll reach in the cupboard for the for yeah. the bad food, or you know they'll chastise themselves when they don't go to the gym, but they're not actually aware of what it is that they're doing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, 100%. Like, right, written on the board next to me, um, and my coaching model is, is what I call the three A's. It's awareness, alternatives, and accountability. We have to start with awareness. It's not automatic. It just feels like it. In the same way that basically, you know, when you're driving a car, driving your car, like on a route that you've done a million times, you can get from A to B and then think, shit, how the hell did I get here? Um, it's now if a child was to step out in front of you while you're having that, you'd be present, you'd slam on the brakes and everything would be fine. You know, most of the time, hopefully same is true here is like once we bring awareness to it, it's, there's, there's four different stages of competency and a skill. Um, and they start off with un, um, unconsciously incompetent, which is I can't do the thing, but I've never tried it. So I don't even know I can't do it. And then you become you very quickly as soon as you try it become consciously incompetent. So it's like I've had a go at this and I know I can't do it. Then after a bit of time, you become consciously competent, which means I'm competent at this, but I need to think about it. You know, like I'm, I'm reverse parking, so I need to, I'm consciously competent at that, so I need to turn the music down so I can concentrate better, or I can't have a conversation with someone while I'm doing a particular point in a recipe or whatever. But, and then finally, we move into unconsciously incompetent, which is you can do the thing and do other things at the same time. You know, you can play piano and talk to someone, or you can drive the car and change the radio station at the same time, whatever it may be. My number one rule is we get better at the things we do often. That's really, really cool when it comes to driving a car or playing a piano or looking after your kids or whatever it may be. It's not so cool when it's reaching for reaching for the food you shouldn't, reaching for alcohol, like becoming anxious, becoming depressed, becoming stressed. We get good at those things too because we do them often. Now, the thing is, the first few times that you get a person to walk away from it, it's super hard. And I said to you before we started recording, like I say that my coaching method is simple yeah. but not easy. I like to put things in simple ways. It doesn't make them easy. Um, that's where this whole the accountability side of it comes in. So the awareness is what am I doing? And what, like, so, you know, ultimately achieving any goal isn't just about the steps you take towards it. It's the balance between the steps you take towards it and the steps you take away from it. You know, if you if you put £100 a month into savings, but you take £95 out of it every single month, you may as well just put a fiver in there. So, so understanding that, understanding why we do the things that we do. So yes, I reach for that food because it relieves stress or I reach for me when I was bullied, it was control. I was so out of control in the day that I'd go and have a packet of biscuits at night. Now, I was in control until I had the first bite of the first biscuit. And then I handed and then I handed the control over to the biscuits. They were now controlling me. So this is the awareness, right? The step, first step is what am I doing this for? And then the second step is alternatives. How else could I scratch that same itch? That itch needs scratching. That stress relief needs scratching. That element of control needs scratching. Some people eat or drink for connection because their friends, they only ever see them out for dinner or their partner, they only ever, they only ever have a good conversation when they've had wine or whatever it may be. How else can I get that connection? identifying the positive under, that's underneath the behavior rather than just, yeah, oh, I'm lazy, therefore I do this. No, what is it giving you? What's the positive? Then we go into an alternative with that. So it's like, and I call it the takeout menu. I get people to write this list of alternatives. 
And then what they do is they place it somewhere. Like if it is a drink thing, they place it on the wine fridge. I've, you know, I've got the, I've got the occasional very middle class client that has a wine fridge, but <laughs> it's like, um, but or you place it over the over the treat cupboard now, or even if it is takeouts that you go for, you place it with all your other takeout menus. And there's a reason I call it a takeout menu is because you want to have like. 10, 20, 30 items on there, you know, read a book, have a bath, whatever. It needs to be as well what's right for you. Not what's right for me or what's right for, you know, the person down the street. What fits right with you? And as we were saying earlier, some men, they walk away the second you say meditation, but some people on that takeout menu, they'll have meditation. The reason I call it the takeout menu is we don't want it to be a to-do list. If you suddenly go, shit, I need some stress relief, food can do that in one fell swoop whereas if i look at that and go well this is my takeout menu and i've got more my to-do list and i've got to do 20 items no that's not how we want to deal with it it's a takeout menu and on the takeout menu we go to it for a bit of inspiration we go and pick an item or we pick two items or we have a banquet or whatever it may be we don't go and go right challenge accepted i'm going to do the whole damn menu we just go and actually it's a reminder when your brain's on that autopilot and things are feeling automatic it's an interruption to that so that's the alternative stage. And then the accountability is kind of tying right back to what we just said about like how we talk to ourselves when we do that. What I want everyone to do is as soon as they choose an alternative, and it needs to be as soon as. I know I've already said that our brains are like children, but they're also like dogs. If my dog shit on the floor last night and I told him off about it this morning, he'd be like, what the hell have I done this morning? Like, you know, like <laughs> he doesn't identify with the thing that he did last night right now. And um, same for us. It's like if you wait till you get the results of the weight loss or the muscles or the T-shirt that fits better before you can congratulate yourself, it you don't you don't associate it or attach it to the work you did. You attach it to the results, and then we become craving after the results. What you want to do if you attach that good feeling, I'm going to feel proud of myself for getting and doing that training. I'm going to feel proud of myself for having you know for swerving that pizza and making myself like chicken and veg. And I mean, I know there's less boring meals out there that you can have while being on a diet. But um, if I'm going to feel proud of myself for that action, then what we do is we store a little picture in our brain that that action is good. It made me feel good. Therefore, the momentum goes up and I want to do it again. And that I'd like to, you know, it's as simple, but as not no. easy as that, because the not, e- the not easy part of it is going to be the fact that you, you will find it hard because the old ways come natural to you. And when the new ones don't, if you just go, yeah, well, Dave said that, uh, um, if I just got to do this yeah. and I, that, you know, I tried yes. it and it didn't work. It's like, well, yeah, of course it didn't work on the first go. Just like eating the, the first pizza didn't put that yeah. stone on me. I had to. I had to be consistent. I had to go back and eat pizza after pizza. It was such hard work, but it's like it doesn't happen on the first go. And it wasn't natural. It's just that pizzas are friggin' enjoyable. So if like it's not about. It wasn't like at, at no point was that natural to eat that many pizzas. No point was it natural for me to drink four liters of tango a day or whatever I was doing at the time. That's not natural. The same as. So when we tell ourselves this isn't natural and therefore it's not coming easy to me and therefore. Oh, obviously, I just can't do it. No, no. There's an expression I like to use, and I'll actually push everyone to like to, to look at this video. Um, it's called "You Are Not Weak," and it basically says, "You are not weak. The journey is just difficult." And someone somewhere told you that it should be easy, and when it wasn't, you blamed yourself. You said, "Why can't I do this?" Or maybe even, "What's wrong with me?" It goes on a bit longer than that. It's about a minute long, but it's it goes back to a lot of the stuff we've already talked about. It's like, no, when you struggle. 
Yeah, and exactly. you will struggle. Yeah, exactly. um, that's the point at which I don't know if you ever watched How I Met Your Mother, but I like to ch- channel like my inner Barney Stinson. It's like um, he's basically it's one of his catchphrases was "challenge accepted." It's like okay, this is the hard yeah. point now. Okay, it's fine. It's okay that it's hard. It's all right that I'm finding it difficult, but I'm going to do it anyway, and then I'm going to feel extra proud of myself afterwards for the fact that I yeah, did it. No, exactly. And I think um, what, one of the other things as well I, I, I find is that we are in this world now of instant gratification. And the, the analogy that I use is, you know, we can be sitting at home, we can want something, we can go on Amazon, and in less than 24 hours – we get the result. It's at our door or, or whatever it is we want. Yeah. And I think that particularly in the world of social media and all the rest of it, when people might see, you know, fitter, healthier people or people that are eating great diets and they look amazing, you know, in that instant, they think that that's, you know, just happened to them. And what you don't kind of realize yeah. and associate with, you know, and it sounds very cliche, but you, you need to go on this journey and you need to accept that it's it's not going to happen overnight you know it's not going to happen instantaneous and you, you need to be prepared to put the to put the time and effort in and not many people are conscious that that needs to happen these days i don't think no definitely not i mean we de- we are very much conditioned to that like think about like netflix encourages binge watching it's like it releases things all in one go so that that becomes, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's a phrase. It becomes part of the culture. It becomes part of what's expected of us. Even before that, when Sky was like, loads of box sets for you to binge watch over Christmas or whatever, that type of behavior is encouraged. You know, they like apps and games on phones are designed to keep us on there for as long as possible by giving us a certain amount of instant gratification and a certain yeah. amount that we have yeah. to work for. And, um, yeah, it's it is very it is very much there. It is part of the culture, and you know, it's, but it's been it's been something that's been growing for a long time, and we we just want it quicker and quicker and quicker. And if you look at kind of what's going on in terms of fitness in in like India and mate and parts of Russia at the moment, is you've got people that haven't got much muscle at all injecting crazy amounts of sinful or getting implants yeah. so yeah. that they look like they've got the muscle. And it's like, it, well, you know, that's, it's like, okay, we are looking for shortcuts. We are, we always are. And, you know, to a degree, I think I, I often say to people, if you're looking for the quick fix, then the, the quickest quick fix is to stop yeah. looking for quick fixes because looking for the quick fix and always wanting easy results has left you so much yeah. like yo-yoing has left you so yeah. disappointed in the past that actually, if you just spent the same amount of time like just being consistent at something really moderate and probably quite boring, <laughs> then you'd have had the result that the, from the quick yeah, fix. And that I think for. that's why what you mentioned about earlier about celebrating your small successes is so so important. That is the new. That is yeah. the instant gratification yeah. that you can give. To and, yourself. I, and I think yeah. you know, it, it, and I was particularly like this. It was almost like. Well, when I get to X, I can celebrate then. Or when I get to Y, I'll celebrate then. But actually, celebrate the fact that you've just spent five minutes on the treadmill. Celebrate the fact that you've just shunned the dessert, you know, because you know you, you want to focus on your diet. Celebrate those little things. And some people listening to this might think, well, that sounds a bit ridiculous. But actually, try it. Try it for two weeks. Try it for a month. And you'll find that you'll get so much more um, – I don't want to say motivation because I agree with you. I don't think motivation is a thing, but you'll get so much fuel in your, in your, in your 
fire, if you like, so that you can carry on with yeah. what it is you want to want to achieve and where you want to get to. Yeah, the way I like to put it across to anyone who just looks and says, that won't work, it's like, right, the negative version of it has been working for you so well so long, why wouldn't the positive version work? You know, it's like my biggest criticism that I ever get from trolls is people saying, oh, why are you bothering putting all this positivity out there? It's never going to do anything. To which I always reply, so why are you bothering putting your negativity on my feed if if my positivity is not going to do anything, then your negativity is not going to do anything or they both work. Either they both work or they don't. Self-criticism. It's got, there's a positive intention behind self-criticism. It wants us to do better. The problem is that the best way I can describe this is I've got these two friends. One of them will phone me up and be like, oh, it's been ages since I've seen you. Really love it when we get to hang out. Like, have you got any time in your diary coming up? Whereas the other friend will phone me up and be like, oh, you never make any time for us. You're always busy. When am I going to see you? Now, both of them are asking, when am I going to see you? One of them's asking it in a way that makes me get my calendar out. The other one's making, asking it in a way that yeah. makes me dig in my heels and feel and feel, yeah. and feel defensive. Same is going on inside your own head. For everything, Practically everything I teach, I'm trying to find the exceptions for this at the minute. That's why it's not one of my rules yet. But one of my upcoming rules is going to be that I, everything I teach is the positive version of the negative stuff we wow. do on autopilot visualizations people like positive visualizations that's never going to work really have you never looked ahead at something and got anxious about it something and looked at the worst case scenario and felt anxious right now if it works that way then actually look ahead at something and that you're excited about and feel excited right now totally works if ever someone walks past with your ex's perfume on within a split second you remember the bad stuff about that ex maybe like you know maybe sometimes the good stuff about the ex depends on which one but as soon as we go to that that they takes us back to that and we start we can go down memory lane and we can suddenly find ourselves depressed the exact same thing can be done by putting a positive memory on there as well but that actually pushes it in the right direction negative self-talk has kept you where you are so far positive self-talk yeah. can take you to somewhere Absolutely. completely different yeah, and i think that's 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 very valuable so i talk a lot about in our community about the, the reason why and i, I and, and i'll be interested in your thoughts around this I'm very much into people really identifying the reason why they want to get fitter, the reason why they want to change the diet, not just for the actual outcome, but for a longer term reason why. You know, is it because they want to be around for their grandkids? Is it because they want to be able to be more active in later life? And, and the reason I say that, Dave, is because I think you have to, I believe you have to have a bigger why in order to cope with the days that you know we've been talking about around the negativity around the not feeling like it i mean around the negative self-talk and all the rest of it do, do you think that that's yeah. you know this in inverted commas why is is valid or do you look at it from a different aspect i i think it's definitely valid i think it's one component so i, I would slightly disagree with the fact that you have to have it in order to get through besides i would say you need to either have that or structure, routine, and discipline, or maybe something else. Um, one of my big beliefs is that there's no one way to anything. So even because the thing is, like nowadays, when we say oh, you've got to have your why, well, then someone comes along and says, well, I've not got my why, therefore I'm not going to succeed. Uh, like if you, we're told to follow our passion in terms of our jobs now. It's only going to work for a small percentage of us, really. I'm actually probably more of a percentage of us than than the people who are on the negative side of that spectrum think, but pro- almost certainly less of a percentage than the people who think that everyone can follow their passion. And it's like, so I would say, yes, the, the why having ex- both intrinsic and extrinsic motivations, like 
is, is extremely useful. So the extrinsic motivation being like for my, you know, so I can see my grandkids or so I can do better in this race or so I can receive that trophy or so I can fit better in these clothes. And the intrinsic motivation then is, well, just because doing it is the right thing, you know, like to look after my body is right for the sake of looking after my body yeah. and nothing else. If we can balance, you know, I think we need to have both of those things ideally. Um, or your own balance of both of those things, you might be 90%, one, 10% the other or vice versa. So, but I would say definitely if you can make it about more than just weight loss, it's always, you know, it's, it's always my actual first big video was called, it's not just about losing weight. And it never was. It was like, it was always about finding what that extra reason is. Um, I would say that you can still achieve success without the why, but I would say that the why yeah. makes it yeah. so much yeah. easier. No, I'd agree with that. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely did for me, and and yeah, I think it. I I try and encourage that so that people, like you say, not everyone has a why, but I think it, it helps in, in the dark days. So, in in terms of um, key actions that, that that the listeners could take away today dave to, to kind of make a positive change or even just to bring the, the the awareness um that you know mindset is is key to some of their successes what what five key things would you suggest people can do okay um so i mean the first one is is definitely down to the self-talk understanding that you're in a coach is um is someone who needs practice, someone who needs kind of actual bit of airtime, and that you can control that. So you can actually say, you know what, when the inner critic pipes up and is being annoying, it's actually disagree with it. And I would say that's one. That's one part. Um, second part is is look at the labels that you place on yourself in terms of your identity. Like if you're calling yourself fat. Uh, if you're calling yourself lazy, the thing is we have an ability to live up to those yeah. those labels. So if 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 I cut like let's say you know there was a period that I did CrossFit. When you call yourself a CrossFitter, you bloody buy the CrossFit yeah. shoes and you do the wads and you're talking all those words and you know it's like when you're when you're a dad you act in a certain way. When you're a coach you act in a certain way. We act in a way that fits those labels. If you're labeling yourself as you know, I'm fat and lazy, you're going to act yeah. like a fat and lazy person, which is actually going to be the thing that keeps you being fat. And lazy you don't have to turn around and say i'm an athlete i'm the world's most dedicated person but even just changing to saying i'm on a health journey i'm dedicated to improvements i'm this that and that you know whatever putting a label on yourself that that is useful on those lines um the that's that's one two um third thing maybe look at look at look up something called the four tendencies um which is a book by a woman called gretchen rubin there's a test for it online this one this one book taught me more about kind of understanding your intrinsic and extrinsic motivation than any other book i've ever read and it talks about whether or not we respond better to intrinsic or extrinsic in a way i will meet i'm an obliger so i will meet external um, expectations way easier than i will meet internal ones and um, finding that about yourself i'm not really mad into all the personality tests out there but this one has been extremely useful to me both as a person and as a parent and as a coach um 
outside of that, off the top of my head, I don't really know. The one I would probably mention is, uh, you know, I said this was the thing that I would like to bring up and offer out to your listeners is I'd run this yeah. project called A Life A Day, which is an app, it's an hour of me for free, um, you know, on th- uh, three rules. One, I don't ever sell anything on those calls. I don't upsell. I don't try and get you onto a program. I don't even get your email address. You know, it's like I don't put you on a mailing list, none of that stuff. Um, second one is it's completely confidential. And the third one is I don't treat it like it's a free call. I treat it like it's one of my paid clients. I try and help that person as much as humanly possible in the hour. Um, it's called a life a day because I do 365 of them a year. So um, that's, you know, if anyone's resonated with what I've been chatting about today and wants to spend the full hour chatting to me, they can do that for free and go into mindsetbydave.com. Okay. It's the okay. easiest way to do that. All right. Well, obviously, obviously, before we wrap up, I was going to ask you what I didn't ask you that I feel that I should have asked you, but I think... Um, I think that was the, the, the 365 was obviously one of it, unless you have anything else that, that you think? Uh, no, I think I've, um, I think, I, I think I've just uh, brain dumped enough. I think actually <laughs> when you said five things, I'm like, oh God, I can't even think of a fifth thing right now. To, it's not like me to actually be short of words. So I think that's rather than kind of just grasping for something, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll say, I'll say you've, you know, you've uh, brought up. Yeah, some definitely. Great stuff I think it's been a great interview. And like I said, prior to us starting recording, actually, I could speak to you for hours, Dave, around mindset and, and what we can do to improve. Cause I just think it's a massively under tapped kind of resource that we have and, and, and what, how we can kind of improve ourselves, our lives and other people as well. So, um, how can people connect with you, Dave? Um, mindset by Dave everywhere. So mindset by Dave, all all one word. And uh, mindset by Dave. Instagram's my most active. Facebook um, and yeah, and mindsetbydave.com is the website. So yeah, uh, if you go and find me on Twitter. Like, uh, you'll, and you try and message me on there, you'll probably get a much more delayed response for it because I go on there about every three days or something. Whereas I'm, I'm on Instagram and Facebook far more <laughs> than I'd be happy for people yeah. to know. <laughs> I, just, I just live there between clients. I had a day off yeah. my phone yesterday; it was bliss because I'm running. Um, I'm running a mindset, a monthly challenge at the minute where each day's got a different task on it. If people find me now and they and they and they want to join in on that, there's, it doesn't. You don't have to do it in line with the month in the days that it was. Um, it's just. 30 different tasks that you can do that that can actually literally just get you know be curious about it and see what happens by doing this one task and see how like by changing such small things um we can um we can do that and it's actually it's really cool because you can see if you've used this, the hashtag which was mbd month of mindset you can see all the posts that other people have done so like they've done like they've done their takeout menu like we talked about today's everyone's task is to write something and because and then reach out's coming up in a few days and stuff so it's um it's a cool thing to get involved with and you don't need to have been awesome. with it yeah, from the beginning uh, I highly recommend you check Dave out on uh, on Instagram so thanks very much for your time today Dave it's been a fantastic interview like I said one which uh, has been hugely valuable to me personally so I appreciate your time and look forward to catching up with you again soon no worries it's been thanks, an absolute pleasure thanks for having me on thanks for listening to the Fitter Healthier Dad podcast if you enjoyed today's episode please hit subscribe And I would really appreciate if you could leave a review on iTunes. All the links mentioned in the episode will be in the show notes. And a full transcription is over at fitterhealthierdad.com.